Oh, baby, you know what that sound means. It's time for The Edge with Terry Waldrop. Terry talks about all the hottest topics in sports every single weekday from 9 to 10 a.m. He's controversial, he's charismatic, and he's the captain of this ship for the next hour. Here's your host, Terry Waldrop. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Sports Talk 97.7 The Edge. Terry Waldrop, Mark Kramer, John Tabor. Good God, that's not a police lineup. But somebody that's not in the police lineup, our title sponsor, Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital, folks, simply the best pet care you're going to get anywhere in the free world. Go see Dr. Weber on US 165 North in Monroe. Tell him you heard about it on Sports Talk 97.7 and The Edge at 318-345-4545. Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital. You can reach out to us on the text line, Washington Valley Federal Credit Union, 888-993-7762-888-993-7762. Mark Kramer. Yes, sir. Football is in the building again. Yes, football is officially in the building. And it well, was, it was really it. nice. Well, did you enjoy the Bayou Jam? I was out there both days. I didn't get to see you on Saturday, but I, but I hear you were in the building. Yes, we were in the building, did uh, Ruston and Washita, and we were there for probably the last half of Mangum Oak Grove, which was a scoreless tie. But uh, it was great, just great to see the football back on the field, and, and as uh, Aaron and uh, Jake just were talking about an estimated over the two days, an estimated 30,000 uh, people came through to watch these games at uh, Malone Stadium. So uh, high school football back in gear, college football starting this weekend or starting actually on Thursday with ULM. So everything's back uh, rolling and everybody that's a huge football fan should be set for the next three to four months. I, you know, i got to be honest with you, and, and I didn't get you out there. I went out Friday night, saw saw both games. I was there Saturday. You know, we had 45 minutes of scoreless action Saturday during one period because the Mango Moat Grove was scoreless, and then the first half of uh, Ruston, Washington. Right. And so we had a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know if the offenses were just downplayed or the defenses were that good early on or nobody was trying to show anybody anything, but certainly some entertaining, uh, some entertaining football, though. A lot of people, uh, most of the stuff is pretty generic because your first, at least your first week and maybe your first two weeks, depending on who you're playing, opponents are in the stands, has got somebody there scouting. So you don't want to show a whole lot uh, to people. And so the the play calls are pretty, you know, pretty vanilla. And then also if anybody has any kind of even nick as far as physically is concerned, they're held out of the ball game. So all 22 of your regular starters don't always play in the Jamboree a la this coming week with game four of the preseason for the NFL when you'll see no starters playing probably for most teams. Uh, pretty much the same thing. If uh, if they're, like I said, if they're even nicked up or they just need a little rest from camp, uh, there's a lot of the starters for the high school teams that don't even play in the Jamboree. Well, you know, I know we're sort of talking about this. I really didn't even intend to go down this road. But, you know, you've got to give a, a certain shout-out to both, to the ULM people that, that help host it and also the people that put the Bayou Jam together. It was good seeing, uh, you know, the legends from Joey Pender to uh, to Vic Dalrymple be honored 
because they're certainly uh, among the Mount Rushmore, certainly in northeast Louisiana, of, uh, of football coaches. But what a well-put-together event, I thought. It was great. Uh, Patty Thurman and all of her staff that, uh, you know, organizes all the stuff, you know, for us in the media and the games, uh, they had something going on, some kind of honor. They gave uh, Origin Bank, gave a scholarship to the Children's Coalition, uh, which was great. And they do all those things in between games. And they've got things running like a well-oiled machine. I remember, you know, when things, jamborees, these kind of jamborees, Terry, first started um, maybe 10 years ago, uh, they were used to run behind really, really bad. And sometimes your game wouldn't start 45 minutes to an hour after it was scheduled, but now they've got everything running smoothly. Uh, every game had at least 30 minutes between games. I know the Ruston Washtaw game got over pretty quick, and West Monroe Neville had 45 minutes to go through almost a full pregame on the field before their game started because the Ruston Washtaw game got over so quick. So hats off to Patty and, and all of her crew. You know, when we got up there for the media, uh, there was food up there, and they had signs already up of who was to be where and there were no conflicts of any kind every all the schools that have radio uh, knew where they were supposed to go and and it was just very well organized and uh, just kind of ran like a machine i availed myself to some of the food in the skybox and i actually went over and uh, my buddies uh scott lee and Vito and those guys were over there and uh, so i crashed randall's uh <laughs> booth, if you will, a little pulled pork, catfish, stuff like that. So, yeah, Mark, it, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to this week with football, you know, starting off, uh, you know, we're counting numbers now. Chamboree, it's all good. Everybody leaves undefeated. You know, nobody had uh, really bad injuries or anything, but it counts for real this week. So, looking forward to, uh, to seeing some games and also continuing to do the uh, high school football rewind with you on Saturday morning. Yeah, we had a good preview show. Uh, appreciate Coach Ball from Ruston and Coach Robinson from St. Frederick and Coach Arvey from Richwood for being on the show with us. And then, of course, Charlie Cavell uh, was with us, the voice of the Bird Yellow Jackets, to preview the, um, the Bossier-Shreveport area teams. And so uh, it was the first time we'd done a preview show. We appreciate everybody listening, and we'll have our first uh, full week one version on Saturday at 10 a.m. Yeah, I want to get into this. And we, you and I, we were fortunate enough to do uh, the sports company the other day, Friday, with Ken Trahan that was on. You remember the conversation? Yes, yes. And we were discussing, because I don't know if, if some of our listeners have it was a golden have 30 heard minutes. it like we did. I'm sorry? It was a golden 30 minutes with Ken oh, Trahan. <laughs> it was, but I really want to get into the LHSAA with Eddie Bonine in the banning of this kid for a year, the kid from Vanderbilt Catholic that transferred to Hanville. Now, correct me if any part, because, Mark, he told a lot of things that I did not realize. I don't know if you knew all the, the pertinent facts that he threw in there. I'm going to be honest with you, I did not. I didn't know the details that, uh, that Ken gave. And, and so would you characterize kind of what Ken said? I could do it, but I want to make sure I'm right. So I'm going to let you do it uh, to begin with. Well, basically, the, the, the kid involved is a quarterback, of course. His dad was let go by Vanderbilt Catholic as a coach. So they were not going to keep this their son in Vanderbilt Catholic since they let his dad go. So he inquired at Hanville about a coaching job. 
And so evidently they were going to give him a coaching job and his son was going to enroll in Hanville. Well, this one fellow that does one of the football magazines for the New Orleans area wanted to have this kid on the cover of his magazine before it was printed. They wanted to get a picture of him. So the dad asked the coach from Hanville if he could borrow a jersey, a Hanville jersey, uh, to put on so the kid could take a picture for the magazine. So they did, and uh, evidently the magazine came out with this kid on the cover of the magazine with a Hanville jersey. Well, the only problem is that the kid had not actually enrolled at Hanville yet, and so the uh, somebody turned him in, and the association deemed that as illegal contact and recruiting because not because the coach gave the kid a jersey, and but he had not actually enrolled, and I think he had practiced maybe gone to some of their summer workouts, some of their summer weight workouts also. But technically, he had not enrolled yet in Hanville. So um, the coach uh, got suspended, I think, for four games Correct. Down, down there. And uh, the kid, they ruled the kid ineligible for a year. So that's uh, pretty brutal, pretty brutal stuff under those circumstances. Well, here's a couple tidbits. Now, you remembered it like I heard him say it, and it surprised me because of what it was. To enroll in a school, you have to attend a class. To be officially enrolled, you have to show up and go to a class. So, obviously, you can't enroll, per se, until or, or that, that process is not completed until the first day of class and you go to a class. But I thought it was interesting. I went back and did some research on it, Mark. They talk. And this kid is a high-profile quarterback. I think right. he's gotten some. I think he's gotten offers from Southeastern and McNeese and and Nichols. And you know, he is a. I'm not necessarily sure he's an FBS level quarterback. I think he's pretty close from what the the thing said. But certainly, getting a lot of attention from state schools. I think that's a a fair statement. And he's been offered and things of that nature. So a very prolific passer at Vanderbilt Catholic. Dad's the basketball coach. They get into it for whatever reason, fire the dad, the dad, and the family moved to the Hanville zone. Right. They, they moved. They physically moved because dad's getting a job there. And they asked the – this was interesting back in May. They did an article. I want to say it was, uh, it was a New Orleans paper. They did an article, and they asked the head coach about it from Hanville, and he said, you know, hey, I can't say anything because the kid's not enrolled here yet. And so the coach is very aware. This is, I think, a, a pretty successful coach. He's been around a while, so he knows the rules. Uh, I can't speak about it. But now you have an outside entity come in, and it's a sports magazine, and it's not their job to know the rules. All right? It's, it's simply not. They're wanting to put him on the cover. Who wouldn't want their kid on the cover of a magazine? It's a program. You want your players on the cover of a magazine. The people moved. The intent was there. He takes a picture, uh, and that's illegal recruiting, seriously. But Bonine, and I'm going to sympathize with Eddie Bonine here. They interviewed Bonine. He goes, look, I simply enforced the rules that the association has. The rules were made by the principal. And the rule says, you lose a year for that. He goes, I, you know, and they have appealed it. Vanderbilt Catholic, who turned them in, by the way, Vanderbilt Catholic, 
even sent a letter saying, hey, we think the, the ruling is too harsh. We would support letting the kids play. Well, it's too late for that because this is what your rule is. And I'm going to tell you, Mark, having been an administrator, having served on some boards like this, here's why they're not going to overturn the rule. Because you're opening Pandora's box if you overturn that rule for that kid. It has nothing to do with that kid. It has to do with they're not going to overturn their rule because if they do, everybody and their brother is going to come up with, uh, in a lot of cases, legitimate hard luck stories on why they should be allowed to play. So that kid is forfeited his senior year. Uh, Vanderbilt Catholic tried to save a little face. Hey, we think it's too severe. Well, you know, okay, fair enough. But the kid is going to lose this year because of a jersey picture. Uh, are, are we, you know, are we choking on swallowing camels and choking on gnats here? Well, you know, I'm a I'm pretty much a rule as a rule guy, but this instance, the kid really didn't have anything to do with all of this. I mean, all of, he was already going to the school. Yeah, he was. Excuse me. He was already going to the school. They had already moved to the Hanville School District. And it was just really in this instance, just a simple case of really and truly, if if he had not worn, if he had just worn a generic football jersey with a number on it and no school name, uh, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. It all came down to him having on that Hanville jersey in that magazine picture. And so, you know, I hope that the uh, photographer and the guy that that puts out this magazine, I hope he uh, has enough of a conscience to compensate their family in some way or another for the fact that he was the root cause of, of this whole thing. Well, and certainly they didn't, uh, you know, I, I'll say, let me take up for the magazine guy a little bit. And the fact that they didn't know it was about, it's not his job to know that. You know, somebody down the line has got, you know who didn't know it? Vanderbilt Catholic. You know, they found, you know, they see the magazine, ah, we got him now, because obviously they didn't want him to leave. Although, you know, the weird thing about this, that kid might be able to retain eligibility, Mark. At Vanderbilt Catholic. At his original school. Right, because he has not yet enrolled still in Hanville. And so he actually could go back, from what I understand, too, he could go back because technically he hasn't transferred and Vanderbilt Catholic's a private school, so they could live in the Hanville School District and he could still go to Vanderbilt Catholic. So he could uh, technically go back to Vanderbilt Catholic and go ahead and play this year. He just can't play at Hanville. Yeah, that's absolutely. If Vanderbilt Catholic thought that one through, you know, you got to give him credit for being a genius on that, but... I'm not sure that's what happened. But, you know, some of the rules, I think as they go forward with the verbiage, you've got to give people a little bit of leeway in there because you took a picture in a jersey, uh, and we have other stuff going on that is just nefarious as the day is long, and this kid takes a picture in a jersey, and you're going to ban him. Really? Right. I I just, that amazed me. Uh, FS said, did Highville gain any competitive advantage about this? No, they took a picture. Uh, yeah, because the kid's never I, played and hasn't yet enrolled in the school. <laughs> if anybody, well, uh, I, I can see punishing the coach uh, a little bit. I, mean, I think four games is a little excessive for this. But, you know, he should have known, you know, he it's his responsibility to know what he can and can't do 
as the head coach right. of a team that went to the Dome. You know, they went to the Dome last year and have won state championships before, so it's not like he hasn't been around and doesn't know what's going on. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if he gave him the jersey or, or if assistant did, but you ultimately you're Ken right. Ken said that the coach gave him the jersey because the then photographer – Yeah, the photographer asked the coach, the Hanville coach, the bass of the, the football coach, uh, for the if they could borrow a jersey for him to take a picture in. And they certainly did. You're listening to Sports Talk 97.7. Jerry Walter, Mark Kramer filling in. Absolutely for my boy, Jamie Fox. This segment brought to you by Mr. Bobby Manning, attorney law, tremendous North Louisiana attorney, specialized in criminal defense, wrongful death, personal injury, whatever you need. Bobby is the man for you. Don't delay. Call him today. 318-324-1411. The edge rolls on after this. And welcome back in. Sports Talk 97.7. Jerry Walter, Mark Kramer, Tabor bringing it. Jamie Fox out of the hospital. On injured reserve, uh, hopefully at some point in the not-too-distant future, uh, going to make his return. We're going to let him talk about the Ohio State stuff just for uh, just as a reward. For just, for Mark, but, uh, <laughs> just for fun and games. Just for fun and games. Had to be careful of my, all my word usage there. Uh, this segment sponsored by friends at Jimmy Cully. Reminding you support a worthwhile cause, Louisiana Special Olympics. All right, so... Richie and Bimbo, this is not bad, but we're talking about the ruling on the kid because uh, it effectively ends the kid's high school career. Hopefully it doesn't affect scholarship opportunities at, at universities. Now, it, it's not going to affect the scholarship. Uh, he was being recruited at FCS levels. And I want to say, you know, maybe like it was, I don't think Tulane, but it seems like it was Southeastern, Northwestern, McNeese, uh, you know, that level, uh, Nickel State, that level of, of football. But... No, I don't think it will. How ironic would it be? How weird would that be if you're the dad and the kid and you have to go back to your original school because that school turns you in. They fired your dad. They turned you in. And, yeah, that's going to be a little And that's the only place game. you can go to play. Yeah. How, how is that? you got to like that. Uh, bizarre things going on in the world. But, again, folks, appeals, very, 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 very few appeals are ever going to be Granted, simply because they're not wanting to open Pandora's box, Eddie Bonine came out and said, look, I'm hired to do a job. The rules and the penalties are very clear-cut. I have to enforce the rules. I didn't write the rules. My job is to enforce them. It's like the, the state trooper that gives you a ticket. Hey, he's not the guy that put the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit in there. You went 65. That you know, that is ultimately well. The car went faster than that. Well, maybe the car shouldn't go but fifty-five. I don't know. That's another argument for another day. But if you're Eddie Bonin and you're looking at the rules, I, there's not really any wiggle room in there. I can't feel bad about it. Say it's okay because that's what the rules say. What defines recruiting? Uh, apparently, giving a kid a jersey to um, to take a picture in, Mark. Yeah. Well, it's. You know, it's just like you said, uh, you know, it's one of the old kill, you can't, don't kill the messenger uh, kind of thing. Uh, I still, my whole thing goes completely down to the Hanville coach. Now, again, do I think his suspension is a little excessive? Yes. But he's the one guy out of this entire situation that should have known what the ruling was for something like this. I mean, he knows that the kid was not part of his program yet. 
and he could Anxiously see. Anxiously awaiting when he's going to be. Yeah, he could see, he could see the handwriting on the wall uh, of, oh, wait a minute, maybe this is not a good thing. First of all, uh, well, second of all, I think under the circumstances, the father being a head coach, I think Vanderbilt Catholic's a 4A school, so, you know, he's not down in the Class A ranks where they don't get a lot of media attention. So he's dealt with this before as a basketball coach. What they should have done, and I know it's easy to armchair quarterback, but even the dad, being a 4A basketball coach, he should have said to the photographer, hey, I don't think this is a good idea right now. Uh, you know, he hasn't actually – we haven't actually enrolled over there uh, and you know everything's not set in concrete yet so I don't think it's a good idea that he'd be on the cover of your magazine if this whole thing wouldn't have happened had they shut that part of it down from the get-go I mean the kid obviously can't be compensated because his amateur status would then be gone so it's not like they were going to, you know, money was going to change hands for him to be on the cover of this magazine. And it's not a state magazine. It was just something from for down there. So uh, I think his dad probably should have known that that probably was not a great idea. Well, in a worst-case scenario, Mark, you call, and we did this with NCAA God knows how many times, you pick up the phone and call an app. Hey, look, uh, you, know, uh, you know, look at all the high-profile transfers we've had here. In North Louisiana, I, you know, Brady James going from Westman to West Monroe. Well, West Monroe didn't trot him out in a West Monroe uniform before he enrolled in school. And certainly that was big news here. Uh, what was the other kid that's playing in the NFL now for Jacksonville that went to uh, Alabama? Uh, Cam uh, Robinson. Right. Went from Washington. And so you have some high-profile kids that are transferring, but you've got to be aware of that. And, again, you know, is it easy to slip through the cracks? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But there's a head basketball coach you should have known who's the kid's father. There's a head football coach at the new school that should have known. Uh, apparently the one guy that did know were the Vanderbilt Catholic people who, uh, you know, and people are vilifying them for turning it in. You know, here's the, here's the rub. I mean, you are required if you know certain things go on, that's part of the conduct code. You have to, you have to bring it forward. So people are vilifying them, and they obviously took some heat because they came back and said, look, we don't think the kid should be suspended. Uh, we support him being able to play. Well, it's sort of too late for that now because, you know, the, the LHSA is like the NCAA. They get information. Either somebody turns it in, or the school turns themselves in, or there's a third party. Uh, that's really the only way they get information. They investigate it. It's open and shut. You can't say you didn't do it because here's the picture of the magazine. Right. So the common sense has sort of left the building, but uh, at the end of the day, I, I think the kid might, that, that might be the appeasement they let it do, go back to Vanderbilt Catholic. How strange and uh, odd is that going to be uh, with that young man there? And the dad, you know, the, the, his dad talked about, hey, he really likes the coaches of Vanderbilt Catholic. He, he likes his teammates. So you know what, what transpired with, with the dad at Vanderbilt Catholic. Sometimes it's just personalities, Mark. You know that. You've been in yes. education for a long time. It's just, I don't like you. You don't like me. And I'm a little bit higher up the food chain than you, so you got to go. Yeah, I like the food chain. And there's a lot of yeah. food chains in, in high school and college athletics. So, But, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, a lot of times it's 
personality conflicts and that kind of thing. It seems like, you know, for whatever reason, they let his dad go. Um, and you don't know about that. You know, in private schools, as you know, it could be a, a dad or a booster that doesn't like the guy and they can railroad him out whether he's a good coach or not. Uh, so you don't know what the circumstance yeah, I've seen that here recently. Yeah, you don't see what you don't know what a circumstance is as far as his dad getting let go. But a lot of times you do have those personality things. But at this point, at least the, the relationship between the Hanville coach and the kid's dad uh, seemed to be good because they were going to hire him, I think, as a coach uh, also at, at Hanville. So that part of it, on that side of it, it looked like it was okay. Yeah, I'll be anxious to see if that job still is uh, forthcoming. We come back. A 1.0 GPA in a certain school district allows you for defensive state in athletics. We'll discuss the pros and cons of that when we come back. Listen to the Edge. Sports Talk 97.7. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sports Talk 97.7. The Edge. Terry Walter, Mark Kramer bringing it to you on Monday, the 27th day of August 2018. Thank you for spending part of your morning with us. This segment of the show sponsored by our friends at Spot of L. Pamper the special people in your life, folks. Hook them up with a Spotify gift certificate. Uh, the LSU fan in your life would really appreciate it. Uh, get those now before the rush starts after the Miami game. All right, so, Mark, we talked the other day. Uh, Michelle Beadle, very widely known uh, ESPN uh, sports personality, if you will, went off on a tangent the other day. She's also uh, the co-host of Get Up, uh, the early morning, very, very high-dollar uh, ESPN show that like four Flopped. people watch. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not good. Uh, Clay Travis calls it woke center. Uh, Mike Greenberg, who has to be going, dear God, what did I sign up for? And Jalen Rose, uh, Michelle Beal. Anyway, she came out the other day and said, "Look, strictly because of this Ohio State deal and the, and the NFL anthem, I don't even watch college football anymore. I don't watch college football. I don't watch pro football. Well, the most popular sport still in America is football." And so ESPN is trying to, uh, or at least on the surface, is trying maybe to get back into sports a little bit more than the political uh, areas they've delved in the past, you know, five to seven years. Anyway, it was reported Michelle Beal is no longer going to be on Get Up any longer. They are going to replace her with a uh, roving band of different people. But she's going to go back to do uh, NBA Live in Los Angeles. And also Jamel Hill, the very outspoken uh, critic of the President of the United States, is departing ESPN uh, with a buyout of her contract. So two very high-profile women uh, leaving ESPN, Mark. Well, you know, regardless of whether they're men or women, I mean, ESPN's fired or or got rid of a lot of men, too, uh, from a lot of their programming if they don't fit their mold. But I think this sends a message uh, even louder. I mean, we've talked about it. That's why we switched here at 97.7, you know, I think, what, almost a year and a half ago now. Um, I think it sends a message not just to ESPN, but to all sports outlets, period, that people just want to hear sports. You know, they don't want you to tell them during a sports broadcast, what they're supposed to believe or what their big opinion is on something political or some social issue. 
that's not their job. People tune in to hear sports and to see highlights, not to hear what these people's political views are. You know, it's just like uh, I, I said when, when you were going to Hawaii, we, uh, Jamie and I were talking about that's when uh, LeBron was doing a lot of his uh, bellowing about certain things. And I just said, you know, the average the, these people in not just sports but in Hollywood too, these people don't realize that the average Joe in America doesn't care what they think. I don't. I don't care what these people think about politics. I have my own views based on how I was brought up and what I think is right and wrong and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, if I tune into a basketball game, you know, I'll watch LeBron James play basketball uh, and appreciate what he can do there. But in a post-game interview and he says, well, I think I don't care. I just I don't care. And so these people need to realize that they're not pushing the needle towards anything just because they're in a you know high publicity position where they have a, a microphone or a TV camera in their face all the time and can, um, again, push the needle of national public opinion based on what they think about uh, political or social issues. And hopefully this sends a message. I think ESPNs, they're obviously finding out the hard way because they've lost so many millions and millions of viewers and uh, the NFL's finding out also, and uh, I, hopefully the other sports um, outlets are also kind of taking the lead or learning from the uh, the beating and abuse that ESPN is taking uh, right now from the public. Well, so much was self-inflicted. I think I think with ESPN, I think a lot of people, and some obviously not so much, but the hypocrisy that that ESPN was presenting. For example, uh, you know, you fire um, Kurt Schilling. Our Boston, yeah, you fire Kurt Schilling for for some. Uh, it's actually an internet meme he sent out there, and it was about the the transgender bathroom bill because, you know, for whatever reason, that was on the forefront of everybody's eye. They pull NBA playoff games and college bowl game from there because that was that was the statement they were wanting to make. Yet they keep hiring Keith Oberman over and over and over again, who is. Uh, is about as extreme in his views and voices, and that's his right to be so. But you're you're censoring one viewpoint and you're promoting another, and yet by the same breath you're telling us that you're not political. And again, I don't care what your politics are. I would hark it back to when I was a kid, and I had certain heroes growing up, uh, both when I was a kid and and you know in my twenties or what have you. And I you know I think about Joe Morgan, and this is going to hit home for you. Was a sense. I was a big Cincinnati Reds fan. Pete Rose, Joe Morgan, Johnny Mitch. I couldn't tell you what those guys are politically. I, I didn't care. I don't think they did either. They were part of a team that I really, really liked. Uh, I was a Terry Bradshaw fan with the Steelers. Frank O'Harris, Lynn Swan. Uh, I didn't really like the Cowboys then, but I respected Roger Staubach and Dorsett and all those cats. Dr. J and Larry Bird. I don't know what their politics are. I don't know. Michael Jordan. His, his was famous. They had a, it was like a 1990 uh, election in North Carolina. Uh, it, it was a black guy running against a white guy. It was a very, you know, racially uh, sensitized, and everybody was up in there. And Michael Jordan refused to to take part. He goes, hey, look, Republicans buy tennis shoes, too. In other words, I'm taking myself out of this equation. Uh, some people are vilified. By, Tiger Woods the other day. Tiger Woods makes a comment. 
hey, you know what? I think we got to respect the office of president. And Tiger was no stranger to controversy. Oh, I can't believe he said that. We, we've lost that civility with it, Mark. And, you know, we get into all the different play. And you can say whatever you want, your movie stars, your, your, your players, everything. I like football. I want to see football. Uh, if I want to see politics, I can turn to the channel of my choice and be inundated with opinions that mirror my own. Or if I really want to make myself angry, I flip the channel and listen to somebody whose opinions don't reflect my own. Like CNN. But I think people go to, yeah, people go to movies. They go to, to to ball games. You know, I went to ULM just like you did for the Bayou Jam. I watched football. I watched all those teams play, and I don't think I was hit one time with any kind of political statement, other than a couple people out there for the judges. There were good out fans, some people in the stands, and you know, great. I, I'm hot. I'll take a fan for anybody. But I just I appreciated just the joy of being out there in that sport and listening to guys, uh, that, that coaches that really know the game, fans, parents, family members, and it sort of gave me a, a fresh new perspective on that's why we play these games because they matter. They're an escape from reality, and they're fun to be in and to be part of. Is that so wrong? No, I mean, that's a, that's that pretty much uh, says very succinct, succinctly uh, what the viewpoint is. You know, you, you go to, whether it's you're going to an event live, you're watching it on TV, listening to it on the radio, however you're listening or watching an event, you just want to, if you're a sports fan, you just want to enjoy the event and the game and you don't want to get other stuff intermixed in it simple as that enjoy well, your let me give you the numbers. enjoy your sports let me give you the numbers here gallup poll 37 percent of americans voted football as their favorite sport to watch basketball was 11 percent baseball at nine percent soccer at seven percent this was in 2017 uh the same poll this is alarming showed that a number of Americans who don't report having a favorite sport has increased from 8 to 15% since the millennium began. And so Nielsen Holdings, 37 of the top 50 most watched programs 2017 were football. Uh, football has been the most popular sport since 1972. Uh, so those numbers, Mark, uh, a little bit of alarming and the fact that more people are choosing not to have a favorite sport. Let me ask you this. You know, and you and I got into this debate, and we, we stoked a lot of interest, I think. The, the lines lit up the other day. The, the text line lit up, uh, which you're welcome to avail yourself on as well, 888-993-7762, Washington Valley Federal Credit Union. And we might do this in the last part of the show. But football is under assault. It's under attack. And I talked to a bunch of coaches over the weekend that sort of felt the same way. Several of them, quite a few of them, had heard our, our our comments or heard people talking about the things we had we had mentioned. And at some point, if you're football, if you're the NFL or the NCAA, why do you not try to cater yourself around to the people that support you? It seems like they're always chasing the people on the fringe and and trying to talk the people into that that don't really like it into liking it instead of going. You know what? Here's what we have: we have a sport that is controlled violence. Uh, are there some issues associated with it long-term? Absolutely, at times there are. But these guys make millions of dollars, and they, they willingly risk uh, going out there to play for 
you know, whatever reasons they do, the, the value of their school, the, the money, what, what have you, the education, for the joy of competing. Because as Americans, we like to compete. At some point, does football say, you know what, we're not going to try to bring all these people that don't like us in. We're going to focus on the people that are here that support us. Because 37% of the people in America, and that's a lot of folks, list football as their favorite sport. You listen to Sports Talk 97.7, Terry Walter, Mark Kramer. When we return, your thoughts on that? I will get Mark's uh, dissertation on that comment. I can hear him breathing eagerly, ready to jump in on this one. Segment sponsored by our friends Billy Justice and Vantage. Back in a minute. And welcome back in. Sports Talk 97.7, The Edge. Terry Walter, Mark Kramer, Tabor running the board. This segment brought to you by our title sponsor, Dr. David Weber, North Monroe Animal Hospital. Simply the best pet parent care you're going to get. You'll see them on 165 North, 318-345-4545. So, Mark, before the break, well, you know, I, I kind of went over some statistics with football. And if you're Mark, if you're the football guy now, if you're the czar of football, and I hate to use the word Roger Goodell as czar, but I, I'm going to do it for lack of a better term. Of course, he's making $47 million a year, so you figure he'd come up with a, a right answer or two. How do you market football these days? I mean, are you trying to chase the people that hate football and want it to go away? Are you trying to to market to the people that love it, intermediate? What do you do? Well, Terry, the main thing that that confused me is that why football in general and not and part you know everybody, especially around here, everybody wants to bang on Goodell because of the the uh, Bounty Gate situation with the Saints. So a lot of the you know most Saints fans have a, a axe to grind with him anyway. But as a general rule. I've never been able to understand why in this about this issue why the NFL can't get out of its own way. Uh, baseball and basketball haven't had a problem. They had a rule on this way before the anthem protests even started. And football just again has not been able to get out of its own way with going back and forth and changing rules and doing this and doing that and you know well because part of it, too, goes to the players' union. You can't bang all on Goodell with this uh, because they are coming up fairly soon with a new uh, to the where it's going to be a new uh, collective bargaining agreement year uh, for football. And that's going to be about as contentious as you're going to find in the last decade, probably. It's not going to be an easy transition into a new collective bargaining agreement. So I think even if it's only 10 or 20%, I think that part of it from the players' union is a little bit of the problem. Because the NFL could have solved this real, real easy. This always wasn't the case. A lot of times, a lot of the um, coming out for the national anthem was after 9-11, when we had the, you know, the real spike in patriotism and, and the, you know, the first player out of the tunnel had the flag and, and all of that, and they had the flag on the on the field, that big giant flag that they unfurl throughout the field with all the military people holding it. I personally like those and like all of that. But before that, the players were in the locker room. The national anthem was played for the, for the fans. So the NFL could have solved the whole problem very easily by just saying that the teams couldn't come out of the locker room until after the national anthem. I mean, that's cut and dry. 
then you're not vacillating, vacillating back and forth and saying some guys can come out, they can stay in if they want to, and all of this kind of stuff. So to me, that was the easy answer long, long ago for the NFL. Again, the other two sports have it, not a big deal, and uh, they haven't had the bad publicity from it because it hasn't been an issue. You mean if you pay somebody $47 million a year, which is what Goodell makes, he should have come up with that solution? Exactly. Or, the yeah, them and the owners. I mean, even the players' union, you know, they're getting bad publicity from it too. So they would want to do as much uh, damage control as they could for their own players, which they haven't done and haven't done a very good job at that either. So both sides would have benefited from just – keeping them in the locker room until after the national anthem. Well, I know in college basketball, we did that. Yeah, exactly. You you would come out, you you would warm up, and we would go to the locker room because you would have a sheet for it. And this is even at the lower levels where I was coaching at, and and also at the Division I level, we did that. And they would play the anthem. You would make your last-minute adjustments or, you know, whatever it is you were going to do. There's no many adjustments to make. The kids would go to the bathroom or, you know, put the extra tape on, however they did it. As soon as the anthem's over, you came out, it was like a minute and a half, they announced you played the game. And nobody thought anything of it. I mean, it was never... And if you remember, after 9-11, Mark, there was a spike in patriotism, and I think the NFL took advantage of that because the military was paying the NFL, in a lot of cases, to broadcast certain things. The right. NFL was charging them for it. Uh, the, the military trying to increase their, uh, their recruitment numbers, and that's Absolutely understandable. Uh, the NFL liked to be seen at that point as a very patriotic league. Uh, you know, I mean, look, when 9-11 happened, we had baseball going on. We had football going on. Uh, just like when the Kennedy assassination happened. I wasn't around for that, but I've read about it. You know who set the tone for what we're going to do in American sports-wise during that? The NFL. Right. Pete Brazil back in the day and the NFL back in, uh, in 2001. They were the bell cow. And being the bell carrier, there's a lot of responsibilities that come with that. So, again, this is a lack of foresight, I think, on on Roger Goodell, and then it just snowballed on it. Yeah, it has. And, again, I think, you know, both groups uh, shoulder responsibility, regardless of which, you know, how much percentage each one uh, gets in as far as the responsibility is concerned. But it was such an easy answer. That's again. You're talking about, you know, the forty million dollars. Can't he think of? Uh, can't they think of that answer? It was so simple. You know, I just didn't get what the big deal was and why they just couldn't say, okay, no problem, uh, just leave the teams in there until after the national anthem, and then we don't have to worry about it. And well, we, and we wouldn't it, be it, where we are now, still talking about it almost two years later. You know, which it's been talked about at nauseum. Uh, and you made the point uh, last week on this show that of the guys that are actually still doing something, it's like one-tenth of one percent of all the players in the NFL, but yet some of the networks are still showing them, even though some have said that they're not going to show the national anthem. Some of them come back later and show the people that protested during the national anthem. So uh, the networks have uh, a a shoulder of responsibility on this as well. Oh, there's no question. I mean, it's it's, it's a politically agenda-driven deal on, on either side of it. And ultimately, uh, 
You know, the people the, 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 who's going to lose is going to be the NFL. It's going to be the players. It's going to the CBA because no matter what you do now with Goodell, you're going to alienate a certain number of people. I mean, I drive by, you know, by houses out here. Uh, there's one guy that has an NFL sign in his yard with a line through. <laughs> I mean, so you're evoking pretty strong emotions. I mean, that's you think yeah. about that. Yeah, that's pretty strong. You put that in your yard. That's somebody really, really, really agitated. Uh, my guess is they're they're military or ex-military or they they have families that are and people protesting will tell you. Well, we're not protesting the military, and and, and there's a lot of truth in that, I believe. And I've had some really frank conversations with a lot of friends of mine. Uh, and it's just a, it's a communication factor going on. But, again, could have all been avoided uh, if issue. Maybe you tackle it somewhere down the line or in another venue. But uh, crazy stuff going on. But, anyway, Michelle Beadle, Jamel Hill, both uh, very uh, outspoken, strong advocates of, of certain positions, both out. Uh, Jamel out at ESPN altogether. And Michelle Beadle being uh, excommunicated to Los Angeles to do NBA, uh, whatever the, the promo show for the NBA is. So lots of interesting things going on. Uh, we're going to get into them again tomorrow. I know Sean and will be on with the sport. You're on the sports company this afternoon, aren't you? Yes, from 4 to 6. Cool. We'll have to tune in for that one. Folks, it's been a fun this morning. Thanks for Mark Kramer. Coming in, filling in for uh, the newly sprung Jamie Foxx. <laughs> right. Uh, back, back at home and recovering. In all sincerity, we wish Jamie the best and a very speedy recovery. Should be back uh, next John week. For John Tabor. Uh, let's hope he will be. Yeah. And, boy, he'll, he'll be full of smarmy witticisms uh, after being out here for a couple weeks. He's stored them up. Our yeah, no, he is absolutely storing them up, writing them down as we speak. And if he's on pain meds, that could be even more entertaining. Of course, we might lose our FCC license. Nonetheless, uh, thanks to our sponsors today, Spotabelle, Washtenaw Valley Federal Credit Union, our friends at Vantage, GB Cooley reminding you to support a worthwhile cause, Louisiana Special Olympics, and Bobby Manning, attorney at law, and our title sponsor, Dr. David Weber, North Carolina Hospital, simply the best pet care you're going to get anywhere in the free world. Go to us 165 North. 318-345-4545. Dr. David Weber, North Carolina Hospital. Folks, make sure you start in this afternoon. Sean Fox, the sports company, coming your way at three bells. Until tomorrow, aloha. Have a great day.